Happy Monday, September 7th. This is Jorge Cruz, and welcome to the Jorge Cruz Show. It is Labor Day. Hopefully you're having a great time with family and friends and enjoying some sunshine, getting a little vitamin D, and socially distancing, hopefully, and maybe even having to wear a mask. But <laughs> this is the new normal, and we have to kind of embrace it and love what is, and as hard as it is to live this way, I think there's a lesson to be learned in it. And, you know, part of it for me, at least recently, has been really to appreciate my health even more. You know, I've been really lucky in the last few weeks to go back to a gym that I love that's an outdoor gym in San Diego. So I've been getting myself um, that special uh, VIP treatment that exercise has given me for 20 years, you know, using my eight minute method to really not just uh, you know, burn belly fat, but really to, to maximize my mood, my well-being, and keep me young. So I'm excited. And, and I want to encourage you on today's show to take advantage of one of the best fitness shortcuts I have discovered in my entire career. It's called intermittent fasting. And we are talking to the premier, premier, like literally, this is the world's leading expert on it, Dr. Jason Fung in Toronto, Canada. He's written various books all bestsellers. If you go to Amazon, you type in Jason Fung, F-U-N-G. His books are number one, all his books. And I had the honor of him writing the introduction to my cruise control book on intermittent fasting three years ago. So since then, we've become dear friends. And I said, Jason, we got to do a talk. So many people don't understand this. They think it's an eating disorder. They think if you eat one meal a day, you're crazy, which is what I've been doing. <laughs> or if two meals is kind of crazy too, but you know, you need three meals and breakfast. Oh my gosh. So we're going to talk about everything about intermittent fasting. You're going to discover what it does for your body and how it extends your life. And it's not about weight loss. It's about really gaining control of your energy, your ability to work better, play better, and live a better life. So that's today's show. We're brought to you by my website, uh, 8 Minutes Live. It's a brand new site we're launching in a week from today on September 14th. And I want to invite you over there. Uh, just go on over to 8minuteslive.com and you can sign up for the text alert that we'll send you next week once we launch. You can also still sign up for the free masterclass called the eight minute cure which is really about how interval training high intensity interval training can transform your body's ability to, to burn stored belly fat and lower your waist circumference and transform your health your mood etc so check that out it's at eight minutes live.com that's number eight minutes with an s live.com you're gonna love it we're also brought to you by zero hunger water now this is a brand new website it's something i'm creating it is my first ever um hunger control product and it's an electrolyte water that'll be coming out later this year i don't have the date yet but i want to invite you to get on the list and i'll be sharing more and more because out of the other 20 years of um, me working in fitness, nutrition has been huge. We're talking about that today on the show with intermittent fasting, but the key to fasting and not feeling hungry is turning off hunger, right? And gaining control of that. And that's what zerohungerwater.com does. And this one is spelled with the letter Z as in zebra, Z-E-R-O, zerohungerwater.com. Check it out because it really is, I think, the culmination of my whole entire career because we're going to talk to you about intermittent fasting, but in order to do it, you need to not be hungry and you don't want to suffer. And Zero Hunger Water will give you the edge, will give you control back in your life to go after what you want. So check it out. It's brand new, zerohungerwater.com. That's the letter Z-E-R-O, hungerwater.com. And finally, we're brought to you by Primal Kitchen. Uh, Primal Kitchen is created by my mentor, Mark Sisson, who got me started on intermittent fasting. He is giving us a free lemon mayo uh, 
delicious chipotle flavored mayo made with avocado oil. It's anti-inflammatory. Simply go to primalkitchen.com forward slash Jorge Cruz. That's primalkitchen.com forward slash Jorge Cruz. And, uh, and that's it. And I'm excited for today's show. I think you're going to learn really why I do this every day. And at age 49, I'm going to be 50 next year. I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. I have the most control of my, of my hunger, my, my fitness. And it's because of intermittent fasting that I've been able to really maximize, I think, my health and my, my aging. So where if you age, you age well, you know. So let's get started right now. Hi, my name is Jorge Cruz, and I'm known as the eight-minute life strategist to the world's busiest celebrities. I've been a fitness, nutrition, and peak performance trainer for over 20 years. And you may have seen my work with Oprah Winfrey, Khloe Kardashian, Tyra Banks, President Clinton, Kelly Clarkson, Dr. Oz, Tony Robbins, or even Steve Harvey. My career started because in my early 20s, I had no control of my life. And experts told me I was tired and overweight because I didn't exercise enough and overate. They were wrong. I discovered that there are fitness shortcuts that would give you control of your life in less time. My passion to find the best science-backed fitness shortcuts has allowed me to write over 30 books and become a multiple New York Times best-selling author with over 9 million books in print. And I know I can help you get control of your life. Welcome to The Jorge Cruz Show. All right, everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited. One of the people I respect the most and truly one of the experts, in my opinion, on the future of, I would hope, not just optimal health, but really everyday health for every person in America and the world, I would hope, uh, needs to know Dr. Jason Fung. He's He and I have been now uh, connected and, and friendly, even though we haven't met in person yet. One of these days we will. <laughs> We've had many virtual meetings, right, Jason? <laughs> we were supposed to meet in New York, I think, and then COVID happened, so it was... Uh... It did. Well, Jason, you're on uh... camera now, so please say hi to everyone. And Dr. Jason Fung is in, I believe you're in Canada right now, you're in Toronto? Yes, Toronto, yes. Well, welcome. Uh, I'll toot your horn for one moment. Uh, he's truly not just a best-selling author in one of my favorite books, his first book ever, The Obesity Code. This is uh, kind of the book that put him on the map. But Jason has become beyond uh, a weight loss expert, shall we say, in, in the world of books and, 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 and really as an expert. But he's kind of created a niche where he is truly, when you think of any MD that has this background it's rare he is truly the premier expert when it comes to fasting you know and understanding that fasting is is a, is a biohack and it's really what our ancestors did and that it's not an eating disorder and he's become also the expert on intermittent fasting which i'm a big fan of and when i was writing my book initially jason and i had many conversations and he was so kind to write a very nice uh introduction to the cruise control diet book that i wrote uh almost three years ago now so Please welcome everyone officially, Dr. Jason Fung. Uh, thanks so much. It's great to be here. Great. How are things in Toronto with COVID-19? Are you, I'm sure you and your family staying safe. Yeah. 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 Everything seems to be settling down here. Yeah. So, you know, our numbers here in Toronto have been coming, you know, steadily coming down. So that's all good news. All good news. Yeah. Well, Jason, I don't know where to start other than I love your origin story, because I think people, I think we've talked enough, but as if there are some new, we have a lot of new listeners on the show and with the new format. And I thought it would be great if you could share a little bit of your story of what brought you to book one, because you, you've studied medicine and you are a doctor. And I feel like you're a very unique doctor because 
because you really be, have become this uh, authority, in my opinion, world authority on fasting. But can you tell us the story that brought you to where you're at today? Because a lot of people may not know uh, your background. And I think it's, it's very interesting so people can appreciate how much work you've put into becoming Dr. Jason Fung. <laughs> right? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So yeah. um, what happened basically is that the... Um, you know, I did medical school in Toronto, and then I did my mm -hmm. subspecialty training in internal medicine mm -hmm. and nephrology. Um, and I did that at the University of California, Los Angeles. At and for people who may not know that study, tell them what that is, the study of... Uh, oh, that's this, I'm a kidney specialist. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's an extra five years of training after medical school mm -hmm. to do internal medicine and then kidneys uh, specifically. So it's a very sort of traditional sort of uh, medical specialty. And I really had no particular interest in weight loss or, you know, fasting or anything at the time. And it's interesting because, of course, um, in the United States and Canada, we've had this very big epidemic of obesity. And along with that uh, was this sort of epidemic of type 2 diabetes, which turns out to be the biggest cause of kidney disease by far. So as I'm going through, you know, the 2000s, 2010s, it, it just becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger part of my professional practice is kidney disease due to type 2 diabetes. And the interesting thing about it is that, um, you know, in medical school and residency training, we actually learn almost nothing about nutrition and uh, even less about how to lose weight. So essentially the, the, the entire field of medicine has given up weight loss to sort of, you know, Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig and this sort of thing. So medical doctors... And would you say, not to interrupt, but is it still that way in 2020? Would you say yeah, mainly? Unfortunately, it is, which is wow. sort of sad because it's like, it's not that these companies don't know what they're doing. But on the other hand, it's a huge part of being healthy. And I agree, yes. Because if you're having type 2 diabetes and the complications, remember, it's a big cause of heart disease, big cause of stroke, obesity contributes to cancer, lots of cancer, um, you know, heart disease, uh, kidney disease, blindness, amputation. So all of these things, which are medical conditions, the root cause is sort of this overweight. And we all know this. This is not news to any doctor or anybody who's been listening uh, at all for the last 20 years. We all know that being overweight puts your health at risk. So why is it that medical doctors simply had no interest in helping people lose weight because, mm. other than like bariatric surgery, which is good, but very extreme. I mean, cutting out pieces of healthy stomach and stuff. It's like, that's a very extreme uh, way to it's aggressive. It's an aggressive solution, right? Exactly. And, yeah. and again, I'm not saying that there's not a place for it. But on the mm. other hand, it's not suitable for most people who just want to get and, a little... And it's dangerous and it's costly. Absolutely. And it's something that requires an extensive amount of uh, healing. I mean, it's just, it's a big deal, right? It's a big deal. And there's a lot yeah. of complications that people don't talk about. So the thing is that it's, it's, a, it's a medical issue. It's in fact the root cause of a lot of the issues that we see down, down the line. And yet doctors and medical researchers and everybody had basically given up this entire field, which was contributing so much to the you know, problems that we were seeing. And I thought, well, that's kind of strange because if you think mm -hmm. about diabetic kidney disease, okay, so you're overweight, which leads to type 2 diabetes, which leads to kidney disease. So we spend billions of dollars trying to treat the kidney disease with dialysis and drugs 
And it's like, okay, but look at the chain of events. Why don't you intervene at the overweight part, mm-hmm. get them to lose weight? Then they won't develop type 2 diabetes, which means they won't get diabetic kidney disease. That is the obvious way to do it. And yet, it's common almost, sense, really, right? Exactly. I mean, it's so uh, direct and simple. And, and yet, why? So, how did you crack this? Because obviously, <laughs> I think it makes sense. And why is it everyone else can't get this? That's a doctor. I know. It's, it's, well, I wonder. What was, your, what was your aha moment? Did you have one of those? Um, I think it was, yeah, it was sort of when I was thinking about the problem of type 2 diabetes. Hmm. And, and then one day I was thinking, okay, well, think, let's think about it this way. If you have diabetic kidney disease, the solution actually is staring you in the face because it's diabetic kidney disease. If you lose the weight, you don't have diabetes, you won't get kidney disease. And it's like, ah, so what I need to do is help people lose weight. That is actually the most important thing I can do. Not give them some drugs after they develop the kidney disease. That's like completely shutting the door after the, you know, the barn door after the horse is gone, right? It's like, it's a ridiculous way to treat people. It's backwards a little bit, right? It's completely backwards. And yet, even today, you can go to any university and they're spending their billions of dollars on developing this drug and that drug and this drug and that drug. And virtually none of them actually have a clinic that's dedicated to helping people lose weight like I've been running for the last you know, seven or eight years because that is the way to keep people healthy. But nobody seems to be interested in that. They're interested in how to treat people after they've gotten sick because it's far more lucrative to give them drugs. Is it, and, do you, and I mean, I hate to be so honest, but if we're gonna have a moment of honesty here, I mean, not that we're gonna mention names of, of organizations or doctors, but do you really think it's about money? It's the lucrative part? It um, it's not overtly mm. that, but yeah. you know, the money flows in from treatment Give people an idea of where, how the money floats in. What would you guess? Yeah. Uh, So there's a lot of conflicts of interest within medicine. Mm -hmm. So for example, you have uh, pharmaceutical companies which make drugs, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But then what they do, of course, is that they take the profits from those drugs, which treat, say, type 2 diabetes. And what they do is they give it to fund doctors to write about how to treat it and so on. Of course, focused on drugs because that's their area. So they have no interest in promoting health per se. They have an interest in promoting the treatment of disease as, as you know, they're a company. That's what they do, right? They have to um, produce a revenue for their, for their shareholders. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so that you have to expect that from the company because mm. that's a company. That's Unfortunately, logical. Yeah. the yeah. Uh, doctors and the pharmacists, the, the universities have become sort of addicted to gorging themselves on this sort of fountain of cash. And mm. instead of, um, so I think they're all good people, but they've sort of lost sight of the fact that all this money that's coming in from this source mm-hmm. actually distorts their view. I don't think they actually recognize that it actually is a high. So, and it's not that they're in denial, but maybe they're just, I hate to say it, as smart as these folks are, they're a little naive, possibly? Or um, how would you describe so. it? I think, yeah. I think it's naive. I mean, blind you know or naive, for, right? There's a ton of. Yeah, and, and they think that they're, um, they're not biased, but they are mm. Uh, mm. biased by this. And story. they would fight you on this, probably, that they're they, completely they, they, they aware. They would fight you on this because they're, they'll say that, oh, no, I'm, I'm looking out for the good of the people and this and that, and this is what I do. Um, but it's, 
really just, you know, I, I don't think they quite see it. I mean, the problem is this, you know, and, and I hate to uh, say this, but there, you know, money always corrupts people in certain ways. It biases people in certain ways. And that's why mm-hmm. there are rules, certain rules. So a judge, you cannot, if you're a company, you cannot simply pay a judge, right? You can't say, oh, hey, Judge XYZ, you're in charge of this case against my company, but hey, let me take you out to a fancy dinner. That's completely illegal. Or you can't go to a policeman and say, hey, you know, you're the police. I'd like to give you a few hundreds of thousands of dollars. And hey, you happen to be, you know, also in charge of this against my company. You can't can't do that because we know that that money biases people. Yet, in the Mm -hmm. same situation, you can have a pharmaceutical that gives hundreds of thousands of dollars to individual doctors. So it's not like a doctor's organization, but you'll have one doctor who's making like $400,000 giving talks for a pharmaceutical, convincing other doctors that this drug is so good. Wow. Well, that's very, they're biased. The, The doctor is biased, but the entire system is biased. So why do we allow the system to bias doctors in favor of treatment as opposed to things that make no money like fasting like you know getting people to eat right and all this sort of thing right it's a completely backward situation and the doctors and the universities they 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 are so sort of dependent now on this source of funding that they cannot imagine not having those funds and it's like but it's blood money, right? It's like, it's like a judge that takes money or a policeman that takes money money from the mob. Sounds like a movie we should do, Jason, (laughs) money, (laughs) the doctor world. I mean, it's just, so, so you, you've, you've seen this, you woke out of this blindness or naive, what's the word? If you're naive, you're naive. How do you say that word? Naivety? Uh, Naivete. How do you say it? Uh, Naivete. I, I feel like that's the word, you know, and I feel like I think they're good people. Just maybe they just don't know that their their actions are not really intelligent. It's not the first step. Yeah, they're letting, yeah. as you said, the horse out of the barn and then closing the door. Right. And, and I think that the problem is that you really have to have somebody come in and say, you know what? You know, as a doctor, as a as a university, you can't mm. do you can't take money from these other organizations that have commercial interests because it's going to bias you. And these it's important for our institutions to remain unbiased, just like the judges, just like the policemen. Yes. Doctors have, you have to say it's, it's, it's now illegal like to do this. I mean, I'll tell you that 25 years ago, Mm -hmm. the doctors used to get kickbacks. So if you prescribed a certain number of medications, uh, you prescribe X number of medications, you would get a cruise right? The doctor. It's like, okay, that's really And terrible. this is just 25 years ago. Yeah, about 25 years We're ago. We're saying in the 90s. This wasn't yeah, that long ago. the 80s, probably 80s. the 90s. You could do that kind of stuff. Wow. And, and then it's it really changed. bad. Yeah, of course. Everybody said, well, you know, again, at the time, the doctors didn't see anything wrong with it. But then and they like the cruise, people, the free cruise yeah, to Greece the- <laughs> or something, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let's go to Greece. <laughs> Take so this you pill. gave enough prescriptions for a certain pill. And it oh was terrible. God. And of course, you had the same thing happen with the opioid crisis where people died, right? Because mm-hmm. you have a corruption of these doctors who are not supposed to be corrupted. But we have to put in safeguards. And it's easy. You just say, okay, if you're a doctor, you can't take money from a pharmaceutical company. It's illegal. Just like a judge, you can't take Done. money from this. 
you can't even, you know, if you're a New York City policeman, you can't even take a cup of coffee. Mm. Like, that's illegal. That yeah. you cannot take a cup of coffee from somebody. And that doesn't so exist as we speak right now for most medical doctors. They could be no, spokespeople, could, correct? It's hundreds of thousands of dollars from pharmaceutical mm. companies. And, and, so, and, you know, that's, no, it's that's incredible. Wrong. I mean, it's a little, I mean, it, it, this moment of truth and honesty, I mean, it's a little sad to hear that this is being allowed. And, and I get it from, the, from the, the policeman example, but it makes good sense as a doctor. So you broke out of this blindness and, and, and you finally said, all right, there's another solution. So now connect the dots from this aha moment you just described, which was intense, to where you are today. Because now, how many books have you written total now, Jason? Because you just had one come out during COVID, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I have a couple I've written by myself and a couple I've co-written. So, um, so, you're so this... I wrote the obesity code, the diabetes yeah. code, which is more specific into type 2 diabetes. And then um, the complete guide to fasting, I co-wrote and uh, life in the fasting lane as well. Uh, so so let's bring let's bring in the fasting lane. So how did fasting, because obviously you could have been a high protein, high fat doctor like at Atkins, but your specialty isn't so much in the macros, even though I'm sure you have suggestions for clients and all that, but it's more about this ancient idea. Maybe tell us how you got into it and then let's describe what fasting is and intermittent fasting. But how did you, who, who put that on your radar, this, inter, this fasting world? Because that well, is, as you said, you described it, there's no money in it because you're not eating. Yeah. <laughs> there's not even money for the food people because you're literally maybe you know, drinking right. water. <laughs> We're going to talk about some cheats, but there aren't a lot. I mean, it's mainly healthy fats, but how did you get, it, how did this, how did, how did you discover Fast. Well, again, so I went sort of back to the beginning. So I had this okay. sort of moment that I was like, oh, okay, you, people need to lose weight. If you want to mm. get healthy, you need to lose weight. Now yep. I go back and really looked at the science because, of course, at the time, everybody's all talking about calories in, calories out, and just, you know, eat a few less calories, and that's it. And that's exactly the approach that doesn't work. So eating 500 less calories a day, they tell you, okay, you're going to lose a pound of fat a day. Guess what? It actually works for just about zero people. And wow. there's good scientific reasons for that. That's what I talk about. In so the everyone that's listening, please, this is from Dr. Jason Fun, and truly the authority on this. Counting calories, as much as God bless everyone that's on Weight Watchers or things like that, where they're counting points or calories or cutting down, in your opinion, say it one more time, maybe in a different way, but it truly is not smart. It's, it's just, it doesn't work. Is that your yeah. opinion, Jason? Yeah. It, it doesn't work because it yeah. leads you to this idea that you could eat cookies for dinner as long mm. as you eat 500 less calories than your grilled salmon with salad, you're mm. going to lose weight. It's like, okay, but cookies are fattening and mm. grilled salmon generally is not fattening. Like mm -hmm. nobody gets fat eating broccoli sort of thing, right? So mm -hmm. therefore, it's not the calories that's important because you can eat fewer calories eating cookies. It's the fattening effect of those foods. And that's the whole point. It's the effect on our hormones because if you eat cookies versus you eat a, you know, broccoli, when you eat it, the effect on our hormones is completely and utterly different. So cookies yes. are going to spike your insulin. The broccoli will not. And yep. Or meat if the, you have like, uh, like protein. Or but, and it or, tends yeah. to lean into, I mean, I'm, not to spoiler alert this, but it's more the carbohydrates that raise insulin and all that. Yeah. And but overall eating does it too. So how did you get to the not eating aspect, this fasting? Because people have been fasting for millennia, right, Jason? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so then uh, as I went into the sort of basic science, I said, it's not about the calories. It's really about the hormonal effect of our body because the hormones are the instructions of our body. So you can give your body instructions to gain fat. That's insulin. So certain foods will do that. So I thought, okay, well, if it's really about that, then what if you simply don't eat at all? And that's fasting. So the first thing I thought is, okay, that's a terrible idea. Brilliant. I mean, yeah. did it just hit you like that? Or was it, well, was it um, like divine intervention? Did someone tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, <laughs> Dr. Fung, don't eat. No, somebody was talking <laughs> one time about cleanses, right? And ah. cleanses are sort of these things where you don't eat, but then drink tea or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. there's different things. There's detoxes and there's something called tea toxes where you drink tea and don't eat. And, and the first yeah. thing I thought was, well, that's a really bad idea because everybody knows fasting is really bad for you right but then and I is thought, that okay, is that the well, thought in your opinion right now some i mean people do look at people I, I have, when i'm in new york i'm with people like kelly ripa or wendy williams and people at times say that women of that size because they're petite have an eating disorder right and they think is that your opinion they think fasting i mean i hate to ask you but do people think this is a, a disorder of some sort right some people think that, but yeah. it's, uh, it's all a matter of context because, mm. for example, of course, we have, uh, in the 70s, we had a big problem with anorexia nervosa, and mm. that was a, a very big problem. You know, young girls died with it. So, mm. But it's, it's a matter of context. So if you're talking about a 16-year-old girl who weighs sort of uh, 80 pounds, yeah, definitely don't do anything. You need to gain weight. But if you're talking about a 65-year-old man with type 2 diabetes who weighs 300 pounds, well, mm. it's not an eating disorder because, one, it's not that much fun to not eat. I mean, people prefer to eat. And sure. two, they need to lose weight to get healthy. They don't, they don't need to gain weight like the person with anorexia nervosa. So it's a totally context-driven thing. So while it may have been important when anorexia nervosa is, is a big issue, we're on the opposite side of the spectrum where people are dying of type 2 diabetes and obesity. I mean, now it's a good thing. If people are dying of anorexia nervosa, it's a bad thing, right? So you yeah. got to take the context into, into account. And, and the problem was that, so everybody sort of had this idea, especially six or seven years ago when I started, everybody's like, oh, fasting's bad, fasting's bad. And then I thought about it for a second. And I mean, I had that thought, same thought myself. And I thought, wait a second, why do I think it's so bad? Because... First of all, I actually tell people to fast all the time. So when their people are in hospital, they need to fast mm. if they're getting surgery. If they uh, are getting colonoscopies, for example, they need to yeah. fast. And if they're doing fasting blood work, they need to fast. So it's like, what am I talking about? All these people are fasting and I'm telling them to fast, to do their blood work, for example, and mm -hmm. nothing bad actually happens to them. Um, yeah. so, so why can't we do this? That was my question. Why can't we do this? And that's what a where great I question, a new yeah. question. And, and so question. what did you discover? Because obviously yeah, so, this is your thing now. I mean, so <laughs> well, tell us why, why the... is it okay? Yes. Tell us, what did you yeah, discover? So I went back into the research and my advantage of course, is that I, I understand the human physiology quite deeply and it's okay because it turns out that there's a very well uh, described um, sort of um, response of the body when you mm. start fasting. It's been known for thousands of years, really, and, and people have been doing it for thousands of years. But in the medical physiology, what happens in the human body has been worked out for, you know, decades and decades. And there's nothing bad in the whole thing. In fact, that's the precise reason that you carry body fat, right? It's, it's not there for looks. 
it's there because it's a store of calories that allows you to not eat at a certain time. So when you're sleeping, for example, you are not eating and you don't die because your body has stored some calories away. And body fat is one of those ways that the body stores calories. So you're really just using the body fat for precisely the reason it's there. It's like the bears, right? They hibernate, but they gain a lot of fat before the winter so that they are able to hibernate through the entire winter. Well, we're carrying body fat, so use it. And the way you use it is to allow your body to fast. And in fact, it's even in our language. So you look at the word breakfast, Mm. the meal that breaks your fast, which means you need to fast every day because you can't break your fast if you are not fasting. So what it implies, of course, is that there is a natural cycle. You feed your body and you store calories. That's when you eat and then you fast. And that's when you digest the foods that you've eaten. And that's when you take the calories from this food that you've stored away And that's your fasting period. And that should happen at night when you're sleeping, for example. You're going to use those calories and then you break your fast. In French, the verb jeûner is to fast and the breakfast is déjeuner, right? So it's the same in English and French. It's it's embedded in our language. It's embedded in all of our religious um, institutions. So you look at any major religion you've got it's been built in yeah it's been built in this period of fasting um not only are you supposed to do it sort of on this daily basis but once in a while like once a year whatever you have a longer fast to really sort of clean out your body and in fact you know in 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 the catholic religion during lent you'll do more fasting Mm -hmm. in the islam religion you're going to do it during ramadan Uh, yom kutur people will fast in buddhism people fast in hinduism people fast so there's all all these religions that have built it in. So it's not something that I just sort of made up. No, it's something no. that's been actually been around for thousands of years that people have been using successfully to get healthier. That was the whole point. And yet somehow in the last 20, 30 years, we had turned it all around and turned it into something that we thought is very unhealthy. So unhealthy, in fact, that we tell our children that they need to snack continuously. Right? This is so, something new, but I, why are you going to, I'm not going to be surprised if you say that again, this has to do with an industry that's probably generating <laughs> a revenue by the more we eat, the more they make. And I mean, two plus two does equal four. Am I right? Right. Yeah, what- exactly. I mean, it was pushed obviously by a lot of industry that wanted to sell snack foods, but you think about it this way. Like you mm-hmm. look at, uh, you know, my kids, uh, when they're younger, it's like they have breakfast and then they give a mid morning snack. Then they'd have lunch. Then they give an after school snack. Then they'd have dinner and then they'd have a snack during their soccer game. So that's six times a day people are eating. And it's like, and then I think back to my, uh, you know, my upbringing in the seventies and it's like, yeah. okay, you got your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner. You wanted an after school snack your mom would say, no, you're going to ruin your dinner. You want an after dinner snack, like a bedtime snack, she'd say, no, you should have ate more at dinner. And if you're naughty, if you're a naughty boy, you got sent to bed without dinner, which means you fasted from 12 noon until the next day, like eight o'clock. Like and no one hours. got sick. No one got, the, no one died. Nobody no died. kids died without food in their tummies. I mean, maybe it was uncomfortable for an hour, but it passes. Yeah. It passes. And that's the point that in the seventies, we had this idea mm. that one, you shouldn't be snacking. And all of a sudden we've turned the whole thing around and we've told our kids, you need to eat, you need to eat, you need to eat all the time. Never let a few hours go by without shoving a muffin in your mouth right and then we go i wonder why our kids are so fat it's like maybe it's what we told them 
to do. And we take it for granted that this is sort of a natural thing. But prior to the 1970s, nobody ate six times a day. No, nobody no. was that ridiculous. And, and you know, in the cruise control book that you were so kind to, to write that introduction for me, uh, that was three years ago now, I can't even believe that. I talk a little bit briefly, not about the history so much, but during the Victorian time period, because, you know, and, you know, a hundred or so years ago, we didn't have refrigerators. There wasn't a lot of preservatives. And if you go back... I mean, you know how much I've studied things uh, like ancestral health, and we go back not just a thousand or two years, we go back 10, 20, 100,000 million years. Our species, right, Jason, and I don't know how much you've studied all, you know, our ancient species and, and us as, as ancient men, but we definitely, even before religion, uh, didn't have the ability to eat all day. I mean, we were hunters. You would, you would agree to some degree, right, Jason? Absolutely. And the thing is that when you eat, you have to, you know, you're, you have to digest that food and so on. So, so in fact, even when you look at lions and tigers, they'll eat and then they won't eat for a long time. They're not going to yeah. keep eating constantly just for the heck of it because yeah. they're going to dull their senses and stuff. So you look at like some of the physiology, like, you know, when you eat, uh, you need to shift all your blood to digest, right? Mm -hmm. So python or something, they'll eat a giant meal. And they're actually very vulnerable at that point because they'll, they, they are very vulnerable to other species coming in and eating them because mm. they need to digest and they can't move and all this sort of stuff. It's the same with us. You think about Thanksgiving. You have a huge Thanksgiving meal. All you can really do is lie on the couch and watch some football. That's about it. Like you're not going <laughs> out and you're not it's able so to true. run. <laughs> you know. It's so, so true. It's, it's, you need those fasting periods. And the point is that there's this balance that you need to take. And we've gone so far into the we must eat all the time sort of thing that bringing back the fasting and the intermittent fasting is really what's necessary at this time for people to stay healthy. And the point is that it's, 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 it's available. Anybody can do it. Mm -hmm. It's free. It makes your life simpler. It gives you more time. And um, it's something we've done for thousands of years. So if something bad was going to happen because you're fasting for 20 hours, well, what about all those children who were naughty and went, got sent to bed without dinner? Like how yep. come they survived. literally millions of people did that and nobody yeah. got sick, right? It's like, yeah. how does that happen? Right. And I would say what I'm doing right now, Jason, to share with everyone, because, you know, with cruise control, I was prescribing a 16 hour fast, but I'm doing 20 hours right now, kind of like what you just mentioned. And I feel like whether it's 16 or 20 and I have certain celebrity clients that eat one meal a day, you know, the, the acronym OMAD, one meal a day is a form of intermittent fasting. And I think two meals a day is what most of my traditional readers have done. And, and I feel like with your book, uh, this guide to fasting, you kind of cover all the options, but in a nutshell, Shell for anyone that's thinks that we're very provocative here that we are blowing their minds or like saying that it's it's healthy and it's safe we're literally saying it's healthy and safe to not eat every three or four hours and that you can eat in a four hour window an eight hour window so whether it's an eight hour window or smaller i think that tends to be the the norm would you agree jason most people are doing yeah. like a 16 8 or a little less i don't think if you're doing uh I think 16 hours is kind of like where most people do an intermittent fast, right? There are many types, but it's, that's the it's common one. the easiest one to start off with. So, yep. um, you know, we always break people in in our program, like the fastingmethod.com. We have a, this program and we always yeah, start people like, okay, start with cutting out all the snacks, right? Now you've got into your 1970s style breakfast, lunch, dinner. And remember at this time, nobody's watching their diet. They're all eating white bread. They're all eating their steak and potatoes or you're all eating Oreo cookies. They're just not eating 
all the time. And, and that, that, and we were a as, a, as a nation difference. somewhat leaner, right? I mean, considerably leaner, right? Oh yeah, considerably leaner. And, and so then you can start to, to shorten your eating window. And something like a 16-8 is very good because it fits into a life schedule very easily. So mm -hmm. uh, if you simply start eating somewhere around 12 or 11 o'clock in the morning and you go till seven or eight o'clock at night and then don't eat anything after that, you've got yourself a 16 hour uh, fast and you can build that in almost every day. And the point is that nobody really even needs to know about it. Like you yeah. have your coffee yeah. in the morning and then go till sort of 11 or 12 and you can do that without even, you know, anybody blinking an eye. If you simply skip that lunch and you go to one meal a day, you're just having dinner. Again, when you work through lunch, most people don't even notice. Um, I, I mean, I, I've done that. And on occasion, and I have a couple questions I want to definitely save for the end here, but about cheating the fast, because you know about how I've done that with certain clients of mine, but I feel like that's what I do. And, and sometimes I'll have a snack, but it's one of these cheats, if you will, and it's more a healthy fat. But I feel like you're absolutely right. When you do one meal a day, you can work through breakfast with your coffee whether you put butter or things like that. We'll talk about that in a sec, maybe. But, and then you eventually it's two or three o'clock and that's when I eat my one meal a day is around three o'clock. And I give myself till maybe four, five o'clock at the, at the most. So, uh, and do you have clients that do that, that do the one meal a day? Is that becoming something that is more, I don't want to say common, but something that people, because of, I, I think maybe we could spend a minute on why beyond the weight loss, because I know a lot of clients that I've worked with that aren't doing this to lose LBs, but they're doing it for health. There's this word that I know is connected to, to these longer fasts called autophagy. Could we talk a little bit about these 20 hour fasts yeah. and then yeah. how autophagy can be a, a bit of a house cleaner, right? For the yeah. body. So the, that's what the, uh, so in 2016, one of the key researchers in autophagy um, who was uh, the 2016 Nobel Prize winner uh, in medicine, um, he called it the body's sort of cellular recycling system. And wow. essentially what happens is when you don't eat, so uh, for about probably starts around 16 and goes up uh, after that till about 30 hours, perhaps. Uh, your body tell us the researcher's name for anyone that's in the Google. Uh, Dr. Um, uh, Osumi. Um, he's, he's from Japan and he, yeah. he, he started in the 70s studying autophagy and yeast and so on. So Wow. And this uh, is just in 2016. So not that yeah. four years ago, right? So just four years ago. Yeah. So it became very, very um, topical after, after that because it was recognized, of course, um, mm -hmm. by, by everybody that this is actually a very important thing. And, and what, what autophagy is, is this, uh, th this, this process in the body that happens where when you don't eat, your body actually breaks down these uh, subcellular parts called organelles. And it sounds like breaking down things is a bad idea, but it doesn't you're very good because what happens, of course, is what you, the first thing when you're trying to renovate something is you've got to rip stuff down. So you can't renovate your bathroom until you throw out that old toilet or whatever, right? So it's a great metaphor, yeah. Out, yeah. out is actually the most important part of uh, actually rejuvenating the system. So that's the first part. You can't do the second part without the first part. That's what the, the body does. So as you... Uh, do undergo this autophagy, you get rid of all this sort of, sort of junk that you don't need. And then when you eat again, your body has growth hormone and it's actually going to rebuild, but only going to rebuild the stuff that you need. The stuff that you don't need is actually 
just gone. So it's sort of like a spring house cleaning. You're getting rid of the old stuff and recycling it into new functional protein. And what that is, of course, when you break down old stuff and build new stuff is a process of rejuvenation. You're actually making things new again. And this is why he called it a cellular recycling system. Wow. And autophagy is a, is a big part of that. And literally, if you eat, I mean, assuming that you eat a variety of sort of foods, when you eat, you basically shut that whole system down. And that's the whole point. If you do that, you're just going to accumulate old stuff, just like your basement accumulates all this junk. You know how, you know, you have a couple of spare bedrooms in the basement. And it's just filled up full of, part of my French, full of crap. But literally, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're full of crap. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happens in your house and exactly what happens in the body. And what actually fascinates me is that when you think about how people used to talk about fasting, it was this process of detoxification, of mm. purification, of cleansing, mm -hmm. and... The whole thing is that, hey, if, if this is what you're talking about, detoxification, cleansing, this is what autophagy does. And they knew about it sort of for hundreds of years they've been doing it. You know, this, this process of, you know, in terms of, say, if you put it into um, religious terms, it's this mm. purification of the spirit or whatever. But you're actually just cleaning out your body right? So you're detoxifying and they've known about it for hundreds of years. And now the science is just catching up to them. Wow. In four years that happened. And I feel like with autophagy, here's the, the benefit beyond weight loss, right? And obviously it's because partly because of the weight loss, and this is what you do with your clinic and all that. But I feel like people's longevity improves. Uh, and and I, from what I've read about centenarians, my, I was very fortunate. My grandmother, she passed uh, not that long ago, but she made it to 103 wow. Colombian, my, my grandma Maria. And she was very petite. And from what I hear, centenarians that that are, I mean, to make it to be a hundred and to have that kind of long life that is quality, you have to be somewhat, uh, what's the word without being negative, a positive word for someone who's lean. What would you call people that have a low body fat, a low waist circumference, right, Jason? Yeah. Yeah. Generally you have to be, um, that, I mean, a lot of people who, uh, you know, they think that growth is good. So when mm. you eat a lot of protein, when you eat a lot of food, you tend to grow more. That's because yeah. their body uh, has nutrient sensors. That is your body knows when you're getting nutrients and when you mm -hmm. have nutrients, your body wants to grow. The problem is that growth and longevity are sort of opposite. So it's just like when you have a car and you rev the engine and you go fast. Well, if you keep going fast, that car is not gonna last that long. So they're at odds with each other. So growth is great if you wanna be big and fast and all this sort of stuff but it is exactly the opposite of what you want to do from a longevity standpoint. If you yeah. want to run long, you can't run hot, right? So yeah. it's like the car, you want to rev up the engine, that engine's not going to last. You want to grow really, really big. Well, that's great, but it will play itself out on the other side. And that's one of the things that longevity um, is important because if you decrease the nutrient sensors, that is fasting, for example, your, mm -hmm. your body is going to sense that you have no nutrients. Therefore, it's going to get rid of a lot of the excess cells that you don't need. Mm -hmm. So when you turn down the nutrient sensors, you turn down growth and activate maintenance and repair. So the body sort of cycles between the two. You either grow or you're in this sort of maintenance repair mm -hmm. mode. If you're mm -hmm. always in growth mode, that is when you're eating all the time, you're putting yourself into growth mode all the time, as opposed to longevity, which is 
why most of these uh, people who live very long, they generally don't eat a lot. I mean, it's, yeah. it's because you want to be in this sort of uh, maintenance repair mode, activating autophagy, activating mm-hmm. all these sort of cleansing things, as opposed to being, you know, really big and heavy. Yes, and yes. No, I agree. And I feel like for most people that, uh, that are listening, I know most of our audience are women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. And, you know, I think for them, they, they don't want to be growing. I don't think any person, well, certain younger men maybe that are in body, body competitions and they want to weight, weight gain and all that, maybe those are the exception. But for the majority of, of people in their mid, in midlife, I would say a lot of these women and their husbands and the men that do uh, listen in, I probably like 20% men, I think they don't, they're not obsessed with being big anymore. I think they want longevity, they want energy, they want quality of life, they want that freedom that comes from not having dis-ease in your body. So, um, I feel like with what this can do for us and how it saves time and money, it's literally a a cure that requires nothing. And it's a natural cure that our ancestors did. And, you know, I'm a fan of ancestral health and I've interviewed, you know, uh, Dr. Jason, or I'm sorry, uh, you know, Dr. Baker and Dr. Saladino and Mark Sisson, they're all talking about ancestral health and you've worked with them, right, Jason? And I feel like their ideas of studying the past, I think, reveal that this is something that is not just safe, but it's how we, how we, how we became the species we are today because we weren't eating a lot of food a thousand, 10,000, a hundred thousand years ago. We searched for it, did it. And, and so my, my big question that I want to ask you a few questions, if we can end with these, people that are watching probably and listening to the show today are thinking, well, how do I curb appetite? And for me, you know, I'm a big fan of certain things and uh, whether it's hydration and certain minerals like magnesium, potassium, but I thought if I could, we could do a rapid fire of some quick questions and you can give me a one minute answer if you want and we'll keep them short so we can get maybe five in and and then however you want to wrap up because I want people to know how to find your website and your social and your resources and your books because I feel like that we need more Jason Fungs out there and I and I know there are a few you probably mentioned a few I, I'm th- thank goodness for this researcher four years ago this Japanese man who um, I, why do I feel like he's not doing your kind of work but at least he's uh, brought light into the world for people like you and myself mm-hmm. that want to help and encourage people to embrace this. I, I want to call it a lifestyle. Would you agree with me? This can be a lifestyle. It's not just something yeah. you do for a week or 21 days or 22 yeah, days, right? Absolutely. And that's, that's the whole point of, yeah. you know, um, something like the, the, the very word breakfast, mm. which is like, yeah, it, it's something you do every day. You, there's a feeding mm-hmm. period and there's a fasting period and yeah. you want to have both and yeah. you need to be them in the proper proportion. If you're not, then you're going to have problems. So if you're too far into the feeding, then you have to increase the fasting. Then that's really yep. all it means. All right. So I think let's establish uh, the point here. I think everyone watching and listening to the show right now that obviously, you know, I strongly endorse everything you've said here, Jason, and I feel like you've endorsed my work and I'm so grateful for that. But the questions people always have is how do I curb? Because, you know, the first thing you think about not eating is, oh, I'm going to be hungry. And how many times do people ask you, what do I do about the hunger? So uh, I'll ask it to you and then I'll tell you what I tell my clients, but do you get that question just to ask? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that is something that you have to be prepared for. Mm. Uh, and it, it helps to know that hunger sort of passes. It's like a wave. Mm. So if you ride out the wave, it will pass out and you'll be back down to your baseline. So it doesn't just keep building and building and building. But if there are certain cheats, like you're mentioning, 
that can help you get through that. So a classic fast is really water only. So that's the most, that's the the classic, just drink water. Yeah, straight water. But then um, we usually tell people that taking things like tea is very, very beneficial. So with yes. the, we have uh, some peak tea, uh, the, there's the fasting tea. Oh, and I love the helpful. peak tea. I mentioned it in the cruise control book and briefly describe this tea that you kind of helped uh, develop because it's a simple tea. It has uh, properties that help. How would you describe it with appetite? It helps just curb it, yeah, right? They're tea, they're tea crystals. So uh, yeah. what they do is they use this cold brew crystallization mm-hmm. to take the uh, cold brew tea. So you're getting more of what, what that does, of course, just like with cold brew coffee, you get more of the sort of good stuff. With the cold brew tea, you get more of these catechins, which are these molecules that help suppress appetite in the green tea. So then what, what happens is that you take the green tea, you cold brew it, and then you dry it out and you get crystals. So it's easy. You just a little package. You just Beautiful. put it in water, and add water. It up, and that's it. And hot or very cold, easy. right? Yeah, yeah, hot or cold. And, and, and tea will not break the fast, obviously, right, Jason? Yeah, Clearly. absolutely, because the, yeah. the green teas and the fasting teas and the herbal teas and stuff, they really have no calories, so your body's mm. not going to uh, break the fast. And then coffee, black coffee and stuff. Mm. If you start adding sort of natural healthy fats, it also doesn't make a big difference. So while it is food, it doesn't have a lot of insulin effect. So insulin is a hormone that sort of switches you into sort of fat storage rather than fat burning. So then even like a little bit of um, little bit of cream in the coffee is okay. And that's where people do this bulletproof coffee with the yeah. butter and MCT oil, for example. And some people have great results with it. And that's the secret yeah. is that it's all healthy fats. So uh, even if you were to take a little bit, so, you know, we we're talking about, you know, a couple of grams of carbohydrate here and there. Mm-hmm. Some people mm-hmm. are like, oh, I've been doing this fast and I accidentally took this, which is like. And they're concerned that, oh my gosh, like, oh I had a little God, bit of fat, to... but, but I had a carb or, or two grams or three. What would you say to how we cheat it? Because I know for me, you know, about my cruise control coffee, similar to Bulletproof, we use the butter or the heavy cream. So for the most part, you would say that's fine fine to do. And then, what would uh, you say about, for example, we, we talked about this recently. This would be my second question about like egg yolks. Remember I mentioned to you yeah, that because if you yeah. search it out, the egg yolk is primarily fat, yeah. but it has a little bit of carbohydrate. If you, if you check it, what are your thoughts on something like that with a little bit of carbohydrate? So again, it's not a big deal because remember, mm. it's not an all or not uh, process. So your body you know, the insulin levels, as it starts to go down, you switch more into the fasting mode. If you take a little bit of carbohydrate, it's going to go backwards a little bit. But remember, you're only talking two or three grams, like a typical person eating 50% carbohydrate, they're talking about 250 grams a day. So two mm. or three is like, you know, less than 1% almost. So you're talking about, okay, yeah, the insulin's coming down, 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 you'll go back up. But then I'll start going down, 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 because you're not taking a lot. So it's not a big deal. And that's why I tell people, don't worry about it. Like like if you accidentally uh, broke your fast, you don't go from like, oh, I did 16 hours. Now I have to start from zero. No, it's like, no, your body's going to go backwards in terms of what you're trying to do for for five minutes or 10 minutes. And then it's going to start going back to where you were. So don't worry about it. You can get great results even with these, you know, these sort of fasting training wheels. Yep. Yep. And they help kind of give you a little something to literally chew on without elevating insulin. And it really is about the insulin and healthy fats, just for everyone listening, 
how would you describe whether it's uh, a butter, an MCT oil, a coconut oil? Um, it, it doesn't tend to have that effect on insulin. It's more carbs and a little protein, correct? And yeah, fat, for yeah. some reason, keeps insulin levels, how would you describe it, low? or how would you- it, it keeps it down. It's because yeah. the fat uh, actually gets, uh, the way it's processed in the body, it goes right into the fat stores. So you're still burning fat. It's just that you're putting in fat at the same time. So insulin doesn't go up because, um, because you don't need it to go up. So, yeah. I love that. Uh, next, next real rapid fire uh, to keep it short, this idea of hydration, because I know I love teas, I love coffee, but for me, I walk around with a bottle of water, usually a spring water, and sometimes I'll add a little, a pinch, just a pinch of like a Himalayan salt uh, with magnesium, potassium. What are your thoughts on electrolytes and water and hydration? Is that something, because I know the purest of all fasting is water-based, but hydration throughout the day helps curb appetite as well, right, Jason? Absolutely. So, so yeah. I think that's a great uh, thing. And the, um, sometimes if people get a little lightheaded, for example, because they're going from sort of a relatively high salt diet to zero, because mm. you know, if you're drinking tea, you don't usually put salt in it. No. So that's why sometimes uh, some people do the water and salt, which sounds strange, but a lot of people find it very useful. Um, the magnesium can help with the cramps as well. And then the other thing I tell people to do, which is sort of a cheat as well, is the bone broth because it's not so strange to add the salt to that. And you've got all the bone, uh, you know, the minerals from the bones and all that to help uh, get over it. It's a bit of satiety and all this sort of stuff. So again, that's another cheat that works very well. For and would you say if you were doing a bone broth, I'm assuming a soup of some sort maybe, right? Uh, yeah, usually just the broth. So not just the broth, you know, not the, the so the with that with cheat, the, you don't see that. And that would be more protein than carbs as it's a protein yeah. is low enough where it's not going to other than for a few minutes, maybe raise your insulin, and then it'll yeah. drop back down. And you don't have yeah. to start at zero again. Yeah. What would you say is a recommended amount of, uh, of a broth, maybe? Yeah, usually you'd take like a, you know, a bowl or a, yeah. a, a mug of it. And, you know, I tell people, you know, if you're getting really hungry, then what you mm. do is get yourself a big cup of hot tea or a big cup of broth or a big mm. bowl of broth. By the time you slowly finish it, because obviously it takes some time um, <laughs> for mm -hmm. it to cool and you need to drink it. So, so by the time you finish it, most of the time the hunger will have mostly dissipated and that's enough to get you over that sort of wave of hunger. I love that. Yeah. And, and it does pass within a few, like I'd say probably 15, 20 minutes, right, Jason, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Worst case. Yeah. And then obviously water is, is a form of, of all those things with a little bit of salt. You can do that. And I feel like it's such a simple biohack, whether it's the tea, the coffee, the coffee with some butters or the teas with butters or water with salt or, and I love your idea of, of the, uh, the, the bone broth. Uh, it's so simple. I always thought it was a little too high in protein. Are there any guidelines for people that are looking at labels right now, uh, possibly and thinking, well, can I do this or can I do that? Because they're going to know what else can they do? How do you, what's in your mind, the rule of thumb to not exceed too many carbs or proteins? Any guidelines there maybe? Um, you know, with carbs, you really want to keep it sort of two or three grams. I mean, because it's going to stimulate insulin quite a bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, with the protein, it's a little bit more difficult. I mean, you really shouldn't be having a lot of proteins. If you're just getting the bone broth and not eating the actual like meat or whatever yeah. that's yeah. in it, then you're going to have a sort of very small amount. There's the collagen, which makes it sort of a little bit gummy and stuff, but there's not a lot. I mean, you're left less than a few grams. 
Yeah. So uh, keep it to a couple grams, literally, and you'll be fine. And then yeah. obviously with fat, not as worried on that. Now, I'm not saying you have permission to eat a whole stick of butter or a hundred egg yolks, but keep right. it to a normal amount because that will, I mean, if you're, how shall we say, not an emotional eater, because I know sometimes people eat not because of hunger, but, and I'm sure you've dealt with people yeah. that are boredom eaters, stress eaters, you know, the emotional eaters. But I feel like the healthy fats definitely turn off the hunger, just like the tea does, just like a coffee with a little butter could do or these yolks. And what would be your guidelines on healthy fats? How much is too much or not to worry there? I would say I I would say take as little as you need. Because again, the the point is that your body is burning fat when you're getting Mm. into the fasting, right? But if you're adding fat at the same time, of course, it's just like, you know, it's just like in the bathtub, if you pull the plug and turn on the water, like it's going down one side and coming in the other side. So it's the same thing, your body is burning it, but it's going to keep coming in. So you really want to keep it to as low as possible. Fantastic. Well, Jason, I I can't thank you enough. I feel like we've covered the bases of fasting. And I feel like if people want to reach out to you, you're very active on social media. Obviously, you're physically located in Toronto and Canada. Is there a place in Toronto that if people are in that neck of the woods, you would suggest and then obviously tell us how to get in touch with you digitally, please? Yeah, so you can find me. Uh, my website is uh, www.thefastingmethod.com. So we have a program for the fasting. You can find me on Twitter. The handle is at Dr. Jason Fung. That's Dr. Jason Fung. Um, yeah, that's probably the best thing uh, to, 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 to reach me. And, um, you know, there, there's Facebook groups and uh, so on. So, yeah, uh, you know, and then there's the books that are available everywhere for, for more information. If and, someone is, is wanting to get one of your books after this conversation, is there a book that you would suggest to them if, if they don't get them all? Obviously, I think they should get all of them. But is there one that you would say you would suggest to, to someone who's beginning this journey, you know? I'd probably start with the obesity code just because that is yep. sort of the basis, the science of how this whole process works. Yep, this um, is it right here, guys. The, yeah, yeah <laughs> the, a lot of the basics you can figure out yourself or just go online or you can check my YouTube uh, channel. Um, there's, there's lots of information there as well about how to fast and so on. So, you know, uh, that, that part is relatively easy understanding it is the more important thing. And that's where a book is, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, there's a bit more time to lay out the foundations of everything. Well, Jason, thank you for all your, your, your work, your passion to help others and, and health. And, and I feel like, uh, I just, I hope more and more people can share this message that you have to, to their loved ones, to their community, to people that may be, uh, have some sort of dis-ease in their body. And for anyone who doesn't and just wants to have longevity, this is, I think, probably in my 25-year career as a trainer and 20 years as an author, I feel like probably one of the most pivotal mechanisms of health, you know, you know, as a trainer, I started with just exercise, but nutrition is such a big thing. And I always tell my celebrity clients, you can't out train a poor diet. So I feel like you have really given us, I think, a lot to think about and to embrace here. And so thank you, Jason, for your continued hard work and remind everyone the new book that just came out this 2020 that they should also get if, you know, they get the obesity code. The new one is the fast lane. Is that right? Life? Uh, Life in the fasting lane. So that's a little bit lighter read. It's more, uh, about a story and sort of it's a little bit less uh dense than the science it's more um you know sort of uh practical stuff for fasting and sort of um you know what to do Mm -hmm. you know to to make it successful uh sort of the social side of fasting so all of those uh, sort of topics that's not 
the hard science of it. Yeah. And they're great stories. I mean, very inspirational too. I think very emotionally uplifting to see how many people's lives have transformed, you know, not just the waistline, but, you know, but, but their overall health and, and, and happiness. So thank you for keeping us healthy, Jason. I can't thank you enough. And uh, I can't wait to connect soon after COVID. But for right now, thank goodness for Zoom. And, <laughs> uh, and thank you for joining us uh, today. I'm so grateful. And, and again, guys, Dr. Jason Funk. Thank you, Jason. Hey, it's Jorge. If you have one more minute, I wanted to address something that I think is super important. And that is if you need help with anything from the show, uh, if you need help about losing belly fat, if you want help about intermittent fasting, if you want help about exercise, interval training, anything at all, uh, I want you to join my Fit Family on text. It's a brand new service I've just launched. And uh, if you really do need help, I want you to text me right now. It really is that simple. You'll be part of my texting family. I have a group of people that I work with via text, and it's all for free. So I'd love you to join. All you have to do is text my uh, Malibu number. It's a 424 area code number. So I'm going to give it to you right now. Jot this down. Or while you're listening, text me right now. I mean it. 424-228-9500. 48. And you'll join my fit family. Let me give it to you one more time. It's area code 424-228-9548. Now, it's going to work only in the U.S., so I have to say that if you're listening to our show outside of the U.S., sorry, no international texting yet at least. And uh, But 80% of you in the U.S. should be able to text me. I know if you have T-Mobile, you have to put on premium service or something like that. Uh, but this is free and I'm going to be giving away a lot of my time on this texting service. A lot of free things like our belly fat cure course will be announced on here. So if you've done my survey, this is how you'll get access to it. Uh, I'll be doing special live stream events only for people in my texting community. And I'll be announcing my next 19 day challenge on there as well. So really utilize this and, uh, and you'll get first glances from our show as well. So it'll be a great chance for us to connect. And I may even call you and FaceTime you. So it'll be kind of a fun thing. Again, the number, text me, literally do it right now. Area code 424-228-9548. And I look forward to having you join my fit family. Take good care and God bless. Peace and purpose.